0: Welcome to Dads Talking Dollars, the podcast all about helping all the dads out there make better decisions with their finances and take some stress out of your lives. We'll help you get on top of your loans, mortgages, interest rates, kids' education, and much more. And whether it's a holiday with the family, a new car, a trip with the lads, whatever you want to do, we're here to help you achieve it. Surely there's some good goss about Celebrity stories that you've got. Oh, I get this one all the time.
1: Give me, give me, because there's so many. Yeah. D- okay, we've got so we we to we need to, to narrow, get, like, down yeah, narrow it I down for you. I reckon we've got to have one
2: <laughs> complaining about the food. Okay. Or yes. complimenting the food. Okay, mm. so
1: I've got the perfect complaining. And it wasn't really a complaint because this per- particular artist. Wasn't really known for consuming f- much food. Okay. If I, you get me, if you're gonna okay. get me where I'm More coming from liquid, here. Liquid diet. So we're, it was during the um, one of the tours of the big day out, and we did every big day out for you know um, for quite a few years. Um, I think the first one was the only one that we didn't cater for, and then they upped the ante from then on, and we we went in with great gusto and. And for very very little budgets that we had sometimes, and we'd work long long hours and and look after the crew and 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 the and the artists. But as you can remember, the the lineups for the big day out were huge, mm. and they were massive bands, and they were quite full on. You know, they weren't just know, yeah, you're uh, you know, yeah. we were on lazy the other side Susan of the fence Axe, so we, were, you know, we were in the crowd. It was you know, yeah, the mosh pits it's were a pretty full on in world, those days. So the oh acts right. were you know, and I'm t- well, I'm talking, um, you know, one female um artist uh from a band called Hole. <laughs> okay. So you know who I'm talking about. You won't and mention names. She was just out of control backstage one time and I remember we'd worked for all week and it was the last day of the show and so out of control as out in, out in what out of control just not happy backstage after the, her shows so mm-hmm. and we'd had prepared all these Sandwiches and deli platters and things for the crew for after show and for, for for loadout and for some reason she walked into catering and she just let she just let loose and just started flipping all of the platters all over the over the dining room and it was like hmm, that was that's not nice and it was like so yeah she threw 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 a What's a few platters it was like a, a complaint of a sort, but I don't think it was you know she would i, I don't think she you know a bite of the sandwich and went.
2: This is shit. <laughs> like, I'm taking it. out. I think it was sandwiches. just. Yeah. You yeah. know, I got the reason why she was gluten intolerant. <clears throat> yeah, there could have bram. been. Could <laughs> have definitely have been. But I yeah. told you don't. I do, don't. doubt whether she'd
1: even remember it because <laughs> I think we had so
2: many different, uh,
1: so many different acts in those days and you know, Marilyn Manson stories and uh, I think there was another one. Um, Pantera uh-huh, arrived yeah. in Sydney um, and they'd got to their hotel room. Um, and I think that they were picked up from memory. The crew boy said that as soon as they got in the Tarago, they wanted to go straight to a butcher. So straight to the butcher they went and they got a pig's head and they got to the hotel and then left the pig's head in the lift as they got out. <laughs> so there's a good story what? for you. What? I'm not sure whether that's a food food kind of um, scenario. Wow. Um, I, th- I suppose uh, to get back on the track... Um, Of a good food story, one of my best fondest memories is uh, catering at the Entertainment Centre in Sydney and every single night that he was playing we would have a visit from Billy Joel. Mm. He would arrive in the venue, check into his dressing room and then come into the kitchen. And then stir the pot for whatever was wh- whatever was cooking, and so he'd come and visit us, and that was one of the most special things. And we got to know their crew. What was um, Billy Joel like as a person? He, uh, he was just a character, yeah. It just it, lots of time for people, uh, lots of time for his crew, and his, you know, obviously his band. But um, dinner times were really important, and so we, you know, when we went on tour with him, it was a pleasure. And he would always come and dine with his crew and his band, and um, Spend time there and and check out people what the people are doing. So it wasn't wasn't the segregation of lots of bands, you know, mm. with with their with their their time. He he definitely just came in and it was it was good times. What a know, guy! So, yeah, there was a great
2: food appreciation. But mm. one of my favourite bands is Grinspoon, and I, they had a DVD once called Twenty Three Hours of Waiting Around. And you think about that in the because they're always moving, they're planning, they're rehearsing, but. The reality is is that the food can bring them all together, and it's always doesn't matter who you are in society Mm. to share a meal or break bread. What a great way to you know build camaraderie in his team, Mm. because that's really he's relying on his team each night, Billy Joel and we're all the same in the end so I think that's Definitely awesome. food. It's
0: a great point like that pivotal moment of unity yeah. between you know not it's not about the music for that for that one hour of sitting down together it's about getting it's to the most person. special
1: time because that's and I always never take for granted you know the fact that that's their home they're on the road but it is the dining room and when they have their meal is literally the most natural you'll ever find an artist mm-hmm. because that's it's a mealtime is is sacred. It, it is really sacred, and there's no time for any staff member to come out. Can I have a selfie? Can I have a, you know? Can I have an autograph? Can, you know? Or or it's it's they just want to be it's like they're space. at home. Yeah. It's a safe space, and it's really important that that's the way it stays, and so that's why we've always, um, you know, had that motto of of respecting that, mm. you know, for, and, and just treating them like normal, and we'd always find out where they came from and where they travelled from, and we wouldn't obviously repeat that. If they'd just come from Japan, we wouldn't give them sushi that night. No. Uh, some of the venues back in the back in the day, your uh, you're hoarding pavilions and, and all of these, you know, the state theatres and of the world, you'd go off and get to there and there'd be a bathroom sink in the corner and, and there'd just be that, that an empty, fluoro-lit fluoro room with no atmosphere whatsoever. So we would get there, we would painstakingly, you know, pick it apart, put up drapes and put lighting and, and, that a, and would make change, it out. That would
0: change the whole performance of that artist. Like Absolutely. Imagine all those yeah. stellar shows that our listeners would have been to, that Billy Joel or whoever yeah. have put on those good gigs and they have no, they probably haven't even thought about why they played so well. And they just got a full belly of good food. They oh. feel great. In fact, the green room's safe and warm and it feels good. It's Absolutely. It's like cool, it's
1: such a... We became very famous for our dressing rooms and... Uh, you know that was a, a major concentration on on turning a a, a sometimes toilet or bathroom <laughs> into dressing rooms that uh that you could get away with it's actually not a shower a cubicle it's actually you know it's uh, you know it's a steam uh, room it's a steam yeah it's uh, yeah but yeah there's a Horton pavilion in particular that I have you know vivid memories of of, of what that place used to look like way back in the day hmm. and it was literally you know fluoro with a really dark room and it was awful it was mm. just there was no atmosphere whatsoever but we would turn that in to something that well, there was atmosphere and you would walk in there and the artists would finally feel comfortable and, and they'd stick around and yeah they'd eat instead of just wanting to get the hell out of there and mm. i suppose that's that's where we've you know we've evolved quite some time over the years, over the last 25 years, now to 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 bring it to today, mm. um, why this venue is, mm. is so successful too is that it, it you know we've created something that that bands, especially on their return visit, they can't wait to get back and they give you know my motto and my my philosophy is always look after the artist and the rest of it looks after itself you know.
2: It's interesting because I was about to say that about for anyone who hasn't been to Lots here in Newcastle, it's a unique fit out I guess and if you had this just all white walls which is what you do go to some live music venues and mm. I can imagine that's reflected into there the green room and so forth so you get that experience when you when they must play here it's, it's like so unique it must like you're saying the returning of it mm. but it's like that in any business like you've got to give that experience and the catering was your business the musicians were your, your customers like obviously if you didn't do a great job then they wouldn't keep getting you back and I guess mm. that's yeah, this place is incredible
0: for our listeners. We're actually sitting in Lazotz, and um, it is it is a special place. Even when there's no one in here, we're chatting about this before we it's started bit, rolling. It's a bit chilly today, but there's an atmosphere, regardless. Yeah. Like if it's full or not, you're sitting here looking around. There's so much history already happened, and there's a yes, lot to these happen. These walls could talk. If these walls could talk. Today's episode is sponsored by Coastal Advice Group. They offer financial planning and specialise in helping people like you build a plan for the future. Head over to coastaladvicegroup.com.au and book yourself a free initial meeting. So here we are sitting in, in your beautiful place, 2023, after all this crazy, crazy adventures on the road. What was it like when you um, threw, a, you know, threw the, all your money into that first place? Was it King Cumber, the first one you opened? Yeah, the, well, the first
1: little restaurant that we started from after we finished the catering and, and and adjourned up to the Central Coast was was a little place at Hardy's Bay. It was, um, and we we started a little restaurant called Le Zots on the Bay, and it was part of an RSL club, just a sitting in the bush, uh, It was a little small re- restaurant. But um, we had a six year contract there, and we were the longest catering contract that that club had ever had, and um, definitely the most successful. There was no no other operator who could uh, who could do the turnovers that we used to? There. It was very, very popular. We had many, many um, articles and 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 write-ups and 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 uh, many awards that we won in that restaurant. So they used to come from miles and miles and miles, take mm. the ferry across from Palm Beach, and and uh, and it was a very popular uh, weekend destination for people. So that was a very successful restaurant. But as I said, you know, it was club land, and um, it was hard to sort of, we, we, to make money because we, we were only doing food and um, the club was making the, the, the money on the drinks. Um, and so we yearned for our own, our own thing. We, we started another restaurant across the way in, in Edelong. It wasn't the most ex- successful. It was up in a, 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 you had to go up the first level um, and we, we converted a Chinese restaurant and made it into a, you know, a, a sort of a, a Mediterranean-style restaurant. And then when it didn't work as well as we thought it would, um, I came up with the concept of bringing the music side of things back. So some of our first dinner shows were, were um, Wendy Matthews, Jenny Morris, um, yeah, Grace Knight, and and um, quite a few uh, heritage acts of Australia. So that lasted for about two years. We searched for a place, and and we were able to sort of get some um, a, a backer to to help us create. What was and what still is the probably the most iconic of all of the dinner shows. This show is venues. the big decision maker, this right here. This is the part of the film yeah. you're watching where yeah.
0: everything changes. Yeah, what was it like? Was it terrifying? But back in exciting? those days, I,
1: I I couldn't say that it, uh, terrifying was now. I'm sorry, I think I'm more terrified now, <laughs> running the business than I was then. It was just this this bulletproof attitude we always had when you when you're 20, when you're 30. It's mm. like you know you just you go into it with just a and, you know, energy and, and, and just belief, you know, and uh, I think now we've, we're a little bit more sort of Soft around the edges Squishy and thinking, up, yeah. Oh God! You know, do, do, I, do I really going to do this, or is this going to hurt? <laughs> <I> <laughs> That's don't want, the joys I don't of getting hurt old. Anymore. Yeah. Ouch! Yeah, I wake it, up every morning getting a <clears> little bit sore <throat> than the day before. Oh God! Now after 16-hour days, I used to eat them for breakfast, oh, and now God. now the 16-hour day really gets me. Gets me uh, when I go to bed at the night after a 16-hour day, I feel it now. How old are you to, now,
0: Brian? I've I've turned the ripe old age of 60. Yeah, And you're doing, doing 16 hour days You're yeah, a machine still, You're, you're right. an absolute machine Hence Lord status <laughs> <laughs> What do you reckon Dan? Like,
1: that is deserves a Lord status For well, sure Lord Brian Lord silly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord what are you doing that for? What, one of the things that
2: I remember about the King Cumber location That's what we're talking about Was the first Where it was the music and the food It was like The other thing There was nothing else around That location like where you would have had the clubs or Probably a little bit like Hardy's Bay But I was from the central coast but there was nothing there so it was like it was a big bold move because you had to get build a location mm. where people it's a destination it's not Huge. like we'll go you know from A to B and oh there's those lots it was, there was nothing really from memory around there so it was bold mm. and no one else had I can't remember Especially coming to a,
1: a what was nicknamed by my brother quite quite conveniently as the cubby house. Mm. Uh, one night he said, uh, this is the best cubby house you've ever built, bro," <laughs> and it just stuck. And then from then on, it was the cubby house, and and everybody around the central coast, there'd be thousands of people right now just still pining because there's no nobody that's really taken that on
2: on the central coast. That was a success, and then the expansion went from there because there was one in northern beaches and obviously Newcastle as well
1: yeah we got we got a, some some little birdie got in my ear and said that that was a good idea and um yeah Newcastle followed quite quickly a year and a half after we opened Kingcumber. very special.
2: How did you go through the expansion and being in two locations at once?
1: when we started with with, with Newcastle. You know, it was starting from scratch, but we did have a couple of people that that, that sort of just, you know, put in extra effort and, and we and we expanded quite
0: easily. Did you call Courtney Love in for some favours? <laughs> she owed you a big one. Yeah. She could have been put I should have put the apron back on her.
2: She's like, I've got dessert tonight. It's an yeah. upside down cake. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it all wrong, Brian. Isn't it? It's to it this
0: way. That conversation we continue to have is about the fruitfulness of good service and taking care of your clients because obviously you were doing the right thing at that time, but the reputation of Brian Lazotte in the past and all that work you'd done over the years and doing, you know, going, working so hard to make sure all those artists were well looked after. Your reputation had obviously, you know, expanded thoroughly as well. So when an artist was like, hey man, Brian's opened this new. Set up you should try it out. who the what Brian was like, yeah, cool, sign me up yeah it, like it wasn't it wasn't you too may hard maybe enough. too humble. I was pretty lucky
1: yeah mm. pretty lucky we We did have some pretty big parties to open, mm. them and we had some pretty big parties when we closed them too <laughs> <laughs> Of course because
2: uh, you really you have to serve the agent, the the musician, then also the people turning up each night everybody, so it's like Brian has many hats to wear, yeah. And your yeah. name's on the door. So it's like, well, three venues, it's three times the effort with three different parties. And plus your staff, I guess, as well.
1: Yeah, it's exciting.
0: <laughs> I, I, I still get a buzz. Um, that's, I, that's the key there, though, what you just said. It's exciting. I, yeah. think, I think for anyone to, to lose that, once it starts to become a job, which it doesn't seem to be a job for you, though. You're still doing oh. it. Maybe now. Because <laughs> here we are time. sitting here, 2023, and we're we'll, we'll chatting about it, about how you're now looking to sell the business, right?
1: it's it is and it's time for us now to move on to something else and you know i want to be able to give the energy that i've got left between my twilight 60 to however long i'm going to live i'd like to think that would be you know well into my late 80s at least so i I still got 20 odd years that i want to do something and um and that's the, my, my priority first and foremost is to spend more time with my family. It is a, it, it is a, a great business for someone and we're, we're going to find that person. We're going to find those people.
0: Shout out to all our listeners out there. You're yeah. uh, you're out there. It's, it's, I know they're you out there. You know so. you want this business. You want it.
2: So, Brian, day one, business is sold. It's a, it's a Monday morning, coffee in hand. What's next? What's on the agenda? Oh.
1: Grab my keys from my Winnebago and straight in the back and straight into the driver's seat and go north. That's, it's pretty much, or no, maybe go south because my grandchildren are
0: south. Brian, before we leave you, what lessons have you learned and could you share with others of uh, being a dad and being in hospitality? Yeah, that's a, that's a really
1: good one because, you know, being a dad has got to be the, the most important thing. You, you, you've got to put that first. Because um, your children deserve it, um, and you, you yourself, you know, you, you deserve to, to to not have any regrets. Um, I, I guess if I have to, you know, look at if I if I do I have any regrets of, of growing up and being in the hospitality industry, it's taken a lot of my time from my children. But the times where I have spent with my children, it's got to be you've got to be present. Um, I guess it's you give them your all while you're there with them. Um, it is a really tough industry with the hours that you have to put in um, it's very rewarding it's the time when you
0: do you are there to just focus on on being a dad one last question and if anyone's interested in buying how do we how do we link you guys up <laughs>
1: yeah just give me a call at Lizotte's ladies and gentlemen Yeah, front, put desk. You on to, yeah, front desk call um, the front desk Yeah, Collier's International uh, they're looking after the sale and the with the, the Purchase of the building is, is also available, so not just the business. But so we're selling this beautiful theatre too. Um, and I'd love to think that uh, some the person that's going to take this on will, will continue the legacy that, that it deserves. It's, it's, the community owns this building as much as I do and um, it's been looking after social lives for a long, long time and I see it doing the same for many, many years to
0: come. You know, Pass the
2: baton, but not the trombone. Yeah, <laughs> hang on to that. Nobody touches that except Brian.
0: That's Brian's trombone. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Beautiful, mate. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much, Brian. Um, and thank you, listeners. you uh listening to Dad's Talking Dollars, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Instagram where you can leave a comment on what you'd like to hear next time on Dad's Talking Dollars. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Warrami peoples, and pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging.